this whole idea of Christmas at the movies, if you haven't been here the past couple weeks, we're taking our favorite movies and the original Christmas story, and we're looking at some spiritual principles that we can learn from it. And so you may be thinking, what in the world does a human child that was raised as an elf have to do with my life today at Christmas? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to find out. Um, and that's kind of the premise of today's movie. It's not one of the more uh, classic, famous Christmas characters. Um, it's not Rudolph. It's not Santa. It's not the Grinch. It's a more recent story. But it's the story, if you're not familiar with the story of the elf, it's a story about this toddler that was accidentally transported to the North Pole and raised to adulthood among Santa's elves. And so he was raised differently than most human children. He lived... Uh, by the code of the elves. He has a great sense of wonder at all things Christmas, but he was unable to shake this feeling that he didn't fit in among the elves, and so he travels to New York in full elf uniform in hope of finding his father, and the resulting chaos is the movie that we know as Elf. I love, I love Buddy the Elf. It's just amazing. Like, There's so many quotable quotes from this movie, right? What's your favorite? You like sugar? There we go. Awesome. Son of a nutcracker, right? There's some, some great quotable lines uh, from this movie. It's hilarious. And so we're going to look at this today and I encourage you before you leave to take an Elfie because selfies are so 2017, but Elfies are in. And so tag us on our social media and the, the person with the most likes by the end of the day, on the, the, the use the hashtag and tag us. We're going to give you a free New Life t-shirt for participating and just have fun with that. Jim and Marlene took an Elfie, so if they can do it, anybody can. It's for everybody of all ages. Um, so similarly to the story of the elf that we're going to look at today, we're going to look at a passage of scripture. And the character whose life uh, we'll look at today is not a character that anyone would be super familiar with. It's not one of the main characters that you would think of of the Christmas story. You won't see him in any nativity sets or many Christmas plays. He's the buddy, the elf of the Christmas story, and he lived differently than most people of his time. He was a priest, and those principles guided his life. The story is one that I don't know that I've ever preached about during Christmas, but it certainly is a part of the Christmas story, and it's the story of Zechariah. It's found in Luke chapter 1. So if you'll turn there to Luke chapter 1, you also can look on the Bible app under version and follow along with our live event that's posted there today on a tablet device if you'd like to do that. But Luke chapter 1, verse 5, and we're going to read a few verses there. It says this, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, we talked about him last week. There was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. I want to stop there for a minute. Notice he's a priest during the time of King Herod. Uh, and we talked about that last week, about how difficult and challenging the religious atmosphere was during the time of King Herod, because basically he owned the temple and the people that were there worked for him. So you notice it men makes mention that he was righteous, that he and his wife were blameless before the Lord. So this was one of the good ones. In the midst of a difficult religious climate, here's a man that's living righteously and blamelessly before the Lord. And so we'll continue in verse 11. It says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. 
But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Now I want to stop there again, because this is hard for me to believe. If you're a Jew... Imagine yourself being Jewish. If there's one character of the Old Testament that you're going to know and be familiar with, who would it possibly be? Abraham, Abraham right? Yeah. Abraham's going to be someone that you're going to know his story. He's kind of the father of, of nations. So if you're a Jew and you're thinking about these Old Testament figures, you know Abraham. If you knew Abraham, you think you would know that God is able to cause people who are well along in years to have a child. But here we have Zechariah, who's a priest, who's scratching his head at, could God possibly do this? Isn't it amazing that we're able to read about what God did in the Bible, and we're able to trust and believe that, yes, God did that for Abraham, but God would never do that for me, right? We're able to pray for other people and lay hands on them and say, God, I want you to heal the sickness. I want you to, to deal with this family situation. But when it comes to our own lives, we struggle believing that the same God who did those things and is able to do those things, and we believe did and does those things that he would do them for us. And I think that's where we have Zechariah right here, struggling to believe, not that God is able. This is someone who's righteous and blameless before the Lord, but someone struggling to believe that God would possibly do it for him. So the angel says to him in verse 19, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now, Gabriel's probably thinking here, what's wrong with these humans? What did God do? He's like, Abraham, Sarah's wife, she laughed. When she got this news, Zechariah doesn't believe. And he says, you know what? The result of this disbelief is going to be a period of silence. You know what? You should have been speechless at what I told you. And since you didn't get it right the first time, we're going to back this whole thing up. We're going to rewind. And we're going to let you try again after a period of silence. We're going to let you just think about that for a minute. <laughs> Verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he had stayed so long in the temple. When he came out... He could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. So I want to talk to you today about the things that God does in our lives that leave us speechless. Or at least that they should leave us speechless. There's a lot of things in our lives that don't leave us speechless that God does that really should be things that leave us speechless. When was the last time that God left you speechless? Gabriel appeared to Zechariah in the temple and he told him some news that should have left him speechless, but instead he went and opened his mouth. So the angel said, I'm going to help you. How many of you have ever put your foot in your mouth? Am I the only one? Sometimes we do that. And Zechariah does it on record, right? For all to read for the rest of his life. So the angel just backs him up to the part where he should have been speechless, says, we're going to start over there. Now, I, I'm not the only one that sticks his foot in his mouth. You admit it today. Sometimes you're, you're able to do that. Zechariah, a priest who was going about his priestly duties, was able to do that. Here's the thing. If we're not careful, specifically those of us that have been a part of the church for a long time, we have a tendency to grow accustomed to the things of God. 
And it's okay when the supernatural becomes natural because I believe that that's supposed to happen. I believe um, that the Bible says that we're going we're gonna to believe and we're going to see greater things than even what Jesus did if we'll simply believe. I believe that it's okay for the extraordinary to become ordinary because we see it happening so often. Um, we can just expect God to do big things and he does them to a point that's okay, but there's a point where it becomes a problem. That point is when the sacred space becomes commonplace. When we begin to lose our sense of awe at the things of God, when all of a sudden we forget the great things that God has done and the miracles that he's performed and that he's moving all around us in ways that we can't even fully know, and we begin to lose the wonder of who he is, then we're in trouble. We pray prayers that we don't expect God to answer. We sing songs that we aren't really focused on their meaning. God moves, but it's just another Sunday, and it can happen to any of us. It happens to Zechariah while he's serving in the temple. And what do we do today in our day when we lose the wonder and the excitement and the expectation of who God is and what he does? I've titled this message today, When Your Wonder Begins to Wander. And I want to help us learn today what to focus on when your wonder does begin to wander, because it will happen to all of us. It'll happen at different times. There will be times and seasons of our life where you can call it a dry season or you can call it a season where you have just gotten into a rut, into a routine, and you need to break out of that. But there's times in our lives where every single one of us, if we follow the Lord long enough, there's times where we're going to find ourselves mindlessly going through motions that have very little meaning in our life and that the things that should be sacred space become commonplace and we have to break out of that rut. And so we're going to focus on what to focus on when the wander begins to wonder. Now, Buddy the Elf, he gets to New York City with all of his wonder and all of his excitement about Christmas. But he's concerned about something. He doesn't want just a fake Christmas. He wants a real, authentic Christmas. And he realizes that he's in the midst of a lot of people that have pushed past what Christmas is really all about. And they're more practical. And Christmas is calm and materialistic and is busy and it's a job, and they've lost the wonder of Christmas. Check out this video clip from Elf this morning. <coughs> What's this? This is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? Why are you smiling? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Is Santa here? I know him. I know him. To be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Can you sign this one? Oh, hi. Santa's
talking about? I'm Santa Claus. No, you're not. Uh, why, of course I am. <laughs> you're Santa. What song did I sing for you on your birthday this year? Uh, a happy birthday, of course. <laughs> uh, so, uh, how old are you, son? Four. You're a big boy. What's your name? Ten. And uh, what can I oh, get you for Christmas? Don't tell him what you want. He's a liar. <laughs> you disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. Look, I'm not kidding. You're a fake. I'm a fake? Yes. How'd you like to be dead? Huh? No, he's kidding. You stink. I think you're gonna have a good Christmas, all right? You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. So Buddy's wonder of Christmas had not wandered because he had fully believed in the reality of Christmas in all its glory. And for us to not experience the wonder starting to wander, we have to focus on faithfully believing God's promise. Verse 18 through 20, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words. We have an example early on of Zechariah not fully and faithfully believing God's promise. His first response to the message from the angel was not, was not faith. Instead, he turned to something a little bit more practical. What, what did he turn to? He decided that he was going to turn to biology and mathematics uh, and be a little more practical. I'm not sure what, it was what was required in Zechariah's day of being a priest, um, but I'm thankful that in Bible college and seminary that biology and mathematics weren't a big part of what I had to learn. That's not why I went to school. That's not why I wanted to be a pastor. Bare minimums in those areas, right? Which is awesome. Like, that's a great way to do intro to math and learn how to balance a checkbook. I got that part. Beyond that, not so much. But Zechariah, he starts talking biology and mathematics in order to disprove the angel's message. In fact, the message was an answer to Zechariah's own prayers, but instead of faithfully believing God and being speechless, he decides to stage a debate. So the angel says, well, we'll just bring it into this and we'll try this over again one more time. See, too often we become like Zechariah or we become like the man that was trying to park in downtown D.C. because he was late for an appointment and he prayed to God and he said, God, please help me find a place to park. And just then a car pulls out of a parking space and he sighs and says, never mind, God, I found one on my own. And he pulls into the space. How many of us miss what God has for us because we focus on what we can see and touch and feel and taste and believe instead of believing that God is moving in realms that we can't fully see? 
We rely on things that we know or, or knowledge that we can acquire, biology and mathematics, instead of faithfully believing God's promise. I want you to know that you can't out-biology God. He is the ultimate biologist. He is the creator. He's the reason that biology is the way that it is. You can't figure out equations better than the master of all equations because he created everything in order that it is. Paul, he recognized this in the New Testament because this is something that not just Zechariah struggles with or that we struggle with, but Romans struggled with this. Romans 9.20, Paul says, Rather, O man, who are you to answer back to God? Shall the thing that is formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? This wasn't just something limited to the New Testament and the Old Testament. Isaiah dealt with this in Isaiah 50, uh, 45, 9. He says, But doom to you who fight your maker. You're a pot at odds with the potter. Does the clay talk back to the potter and say, What are you doing? What clumsy fingers you have? How ridiculous is it for us to think that we could stage a debate with God? That we could try to bring biology and mathematics to reason him away. Maybe today you've decided that you're not the right age, that it's not the right time, that there's not enough money, that God can't be talking to you or he isn't going to answer your prayer, that he couldn't have opened that door. You've done the math and it doesn't make sense, but I want to tell you today to stop trying to put God into your limited man-made box with human limitations and just faithfully believe God's promise because his ways are higher than our ways. You have to believe him. The second thing to focus on when your wonder begins to wander, is joyfully receiving God's gift. Verse 24 tells us after Zechariah went home that his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months she remained in seclusion. And she came out and she said, she declared, the Lord has done this for me. She said, in these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Here we see that as the gift of God becomes clear to Zechariah and Elizabeth, that all of a sudden the response begins to shift from a, a shock to a joyful realization of what God has given to them. See, once Zechariah got past the questioning and the rationalizing, he instead started realizing what God was doing, and all of a sudden the wonder that he had somehow lost in the day-in and day-out routine of, of doing the work of, of his priestly duties that wonder that had gone returned to him. And Elizabeth declares, the Lord has done this for me. She didn't explain it away. She realized that the gift that God was giving her was hers for the taking and receiving, and she joyfully received it. Now, not everyone gets excited and joyful when they receive unexpected gifts. Some people don't like surprises. John Mark is a person that he doesn't really like a whole lot of surprises. He really, uh, you know, he, you can give him a gift, that's fine, but don't really surprise him with something that he's not expecting. It's not his favorite thing. And Zechariah wasn't the only one that wasn't sure about the gift of a child. In fact, check out this clip from Elf to see what I'm talking about. Sure, he uh, just got off the cell phone with me. You did? So, go on. 
Go on with what? Well, are you gonna sing a song or something, or can I just go back to work? A song? Uh, yeah. Anything for you to, uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm here with my dad, and we never met, and he wants me to sing him a song. <laughs> And um, I was adopted, but you didn't know I was born. So I'm here now. I found you, Daddy. And guess what? I love you. I love you. I love you. Wow, that was weird. I mean, usually you guys just uh, put my name in the jingle bells or something. It's me, your son. Susan Wells had me, and, and she didn't tell you. And, 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 but now I'm here. It's me, buddy. Susan Wells. You said Susan Wells? Yes. Who sent this Christmas gram? What's a Christmas gram? I want one. I think we should call security. Good idea. I like to whisper, too. It's okay. Walter's my father. Well, your dad's busy right now. Okay, I'll come back later. Yeah. No, you're not going to come back for a while, okay? You're going to go back to Sandland. Okay. Yeah, why don't you go back to Gimbal's? Buddy was joyful and excited about meeting his dad, but it was not reciprocated by his father. In fact, later his dad actually makes him go and get tested to prove that he really is his son. And in a lot of ways, Elf is a story about a son who wants to love his father. And Christmas is about a father's love for us sons and daughters, and that's also not always reciprocated. That God desires a relationship with you and I, with his sons and daughters. And sometimes he's revealing himself, and sometimes he's giving us gifts that we're unwilling to receive. That maybe were unexpected for whatever reason, or maybe caught us off guard. And we've yet to decide whether we're going to return the Father's love to him. We choose how we respond to God's gift to us. To accept the Father's love or to reject it. Two weeks ago I told you that God gives the absolute best gifts. But sometimes because of the timing or the unexpected nature or the fact that God didn't consult with you in advance or the res whatever other reason, our response to his gift is not joyful. Other times we fail to give God the credit that he deserves. Have you ever noticed that we see great human feats? We see incredible things that people accomplish or that we do, and we're quick to, to, to regard them as incredible wonders, right? This is something amazing. This is something phenomenal that, that someone did. We looked last week at Herod's great accomplishments. Wow, what an incredible thing that he did. But then we can, in the same breath, look at what God does and overlook it as ordinary. Oh, well, sometimes the body just heals itself like that. Sometimes things just happen and things change. It's about time that I caught a lucky break. It's, I'm due for something good to happen to me. We explain away the incredible things of God. When God wants to bless you, you then have to receive the blessing with great joy. Don't respond as though it's just something ordinary. Don't rationalize it as good luck. Don't think that it's just about time. Remember the prayers that you prayed, that God has answered and joyfully received God's gift. Declare like Elizabeth did, this is what the Lord has done for me. You know, we're having a, an incredible opportunity this week for you to do just that. For you to joyfully 
reflect on the gifts that God has given you with our family communion time. And I hope that you'll be a part of it and sign up. It's on Wednesday. It starts as early as 11 o'clock, goes as late, I think, as like 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And it's just a time for you to sign up for an individual time to come with as much or as little of your family as you desire and to come and, and let's reflect on what is it that the Lord has done for you in 2018. What is it that he's blessed you with? What are the gifts that he's given to you? Have there been challenges and struggles? Certainly there have been for each and every single one of us. But what is it that the Lord has done for you? We're going to reflect on those things. We're going to take communion together with your family. And then we're just going to pray a prayer of blessing over you as you head into 2019. That God is going to meet you at the point of your need. That he's going to continue to bless you and give you good gifts. That he's going to, to help you and be with you as he promises Emmanuel in the midst of the challenges and the struggles that we face. It's about 15 minutes in total, but I'd love for you to make it a part of your family tradition and be here and join us this Wednesday for it. You can sign up in the back at the Connection Center. You can sign up online. Take a moment, whether it's at the family communion or a time with your family or both, to reflect on what God has done, to joyfully receive the gifts that he has for you and acknowledge what he's done and to declare this is what the Lord has done for me. This was not only a powerful declaration for Elizabeth, but the Bible says that this was used for people around her to see what the Lord has done. What a testimony for people to see. She had no child. She was unable, but the Lord has done something for her. The Lord has moved powerfully and mightily in her life. And finally, we don't just stop at joyfully receiving, but we respond by thankfully praising God's goodness. Verse 57 through 64 says this, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy and shared her joy. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. To think there was ever a time like that, right? No one had the name John. Then they made signs to his father to try to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. And immediately his mouth opened, and his tongue was set free, and he began to speak, praising God. First thing that I love in, in Luke chapter 1 is there's so much joy. There's so much celebration that God sets Zechariah free. The first thing we see him do is to open his mouth and declare praises. He got it right the second time around. He just needed a moment to think about it. Gabriel put him in timeout. He said, we're going to make you speak to us when you should have been. But he realizes the second time around what he should have done. And he begins to praise God. The other thing that I like about Luke chapter 1 is that this is basically the first Christmas musical that's ever invented. You see uh, earlier in the passage, and you can go and read the entire chapter of Luke 1, Mary sings a song. She, she meets up with her cousin Elizabeth, and, and there's a moment of rejoicing, and she sings a song, and it's beautiful. And Zechariah, right after the scripture that we read, he, he opens his mouth, he praises God, and he sings a song. And everyone's joyful and, and, and celebrating over the gift that God has given, and they begin to thank God and praise him. The first words that Zechariah spoke when he opened his mouth and his tongue was set free, was to praise God. It may have not been his first response, but he got it right. The next clip from Buddy the Elf uh, involves him sharing a little bit of the code of elves and clarifying a detail of the North Pole because he wants to bring cheer to everyone. So check out this next clip.
you enjoying the view? You are very good at decorating that tree. Why are you messing with me? Did Krampa put you up to this? I'm not messing with you. It's just nice to meet another human who shares my affinity for elf culture. <laughs> I'm just trying to get through the holiday. Get through? Christmas is the greatest day in the whole wide world! Please stop talking to me. Uh-oh. Sounds like someone needs to sing a Christmas carol. No way. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Thanks, but I don't sing. Oh, it's easy. It's just like talking. Except louder and longer and you move your voice up and down. I can sing, but I just choose not to sing. Especially in front of other people. Well, if you sing alone, you can sing in front of other people. There's no difference. Actually, there's a big difference. No, th no there isn't. Wait. I'm singing. I'm in a store and I'm singing. I'm in a store and I'm singing. Hey! There's no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is. No, it's not. We sing all the time. No, it's not. Especially when we make toys. See? Attention all Campbell shoppers. Please make your final purchases. We will be closing in 10 minutes. Well, it's time for me to go home. But, but Santa's coming. There's so much to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. Buddy. Buddy was on to something. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And Zechariah and Elizabeth, they joyfully and thankfully praise God for answered prayer in their lives. This was not just a blessing to them, but the Bible says that everybody was amazed. Their son, John the Baptist, fulfilled all that Gabriel told Zechariah. He, he, he ended up preparing the way for Jesus and being an incredible person that we see in the New Testament and the Gospels to, to pave the way and, and prepare for God to come. And so I want to challenge you today. When God speaks to your heart, praise him. When God gives you hope to replace despair, give a shout of joy. When God provides for you just, just in the nick of time, there's a miracle just in time. What we don't have often comes from the lack of thankfulness of the things that we do have in our lives. Thank God for how wonderful that he is. Don't hide your gratitude. Often that discontent that we experience, it, it comes about from the lack of thankfulness of the things that we have. Don't forget to thank God for what he's blessed you with in 2018. Mm -hmm. It may just be the key to his continued blessing in 2019 and beyond. It may just be the key that teaches the importance of gratitude to your kids and grandkids. It may be the testimony that finally brings someone to the Lord. Well, we can't leave the elf story there. There's a lot of story that we can't cover today, but check out this final clip that kind of shows you how it wraps up the story.
loud shout. You better not cry. You better not cry. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to
Jovi learned that the best way to spread Christmas cheer was singing loud for all to hear, and she did just that. And Buddy was able to save Christmas and help Santa, and is happy, happily ever after, right? But I want to talk to you today about where you are. Zachariah, he came around. He realized what God had done. Elizabeth declared, look what the Lord has done for me. They joyfully and thankfully praised God. It was a testimony to everyone that was around them. Their son grew up and went on to accomplish all that God said that he would. It's an incredible thing that only God could accomplish. And someone who thought that he wasn't qualified, that there was no way that God could bring it about. When was the last time that God left you speechless? Maybe there's things that he's doing in your life that are answers to your prayers, but maybe you've explained them away and you're allowing doubt to keep you from believing God for these things. Maybe in your life, as you've gone about your routine of your service to God, it's just become routine and your wonder has begun to wander because you've been doing the same thing for so long and you've forgotten the awe and the, the joy of your salvation, the excitement that happens when God does incredible things that only God can do. My prayer for you today is that God would silence the voices of doubt and fear in your life so that he can leave you speechless and in wonder at his faithfulness in your life. That you would see the miracles that God is doing and the prayers that he is answering so that you can joyfully declare, the Lord has done this for me. Can we just respond to him in worship this morning? Will you stand with me all over this place? I've asked Jesse just to lead us. And before we go any further, let's just follow that example of joyfully receiving God's gift and thankfully praising him for his goodness. He's done so much in your life, regardless of the hurt, the pain, the circumstances, the situations that you're facing. Look what God has done. Look at the miracles that he's provided. Look at the things that have happened that only he could have brought about. Sure, there's challenges for the future, but God's going to be there in those situations just like he's been in the past. Come on, let's worship him for who he is and what he's done this morning. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore Oh, come let us adore. 
God's promise. And sometimes you have to believe it before you can see it. I wonder what is there in your life that you're needing to believe that you can't yet see. Sometimes you have to praise him before the storm. We talked about joyfully receiving God's gift. Zachariah and Elizabeth, they joyfully received. She said, look what the Lord has done for me. And then finally, thanking and praising God for his goodness. Can you do that this morning before the storm? Can you do it before you receive? Can you do it in faith? Faithfully believing that God who promised he is able and the prayers that you prayed, he can answer and that he will if we'll trust him with our lives. Come on, let's sing that again. Not necessarily because we've already received. Yeah, he's blessed us in so many ways, but thank him and declare these words over those areas of your life that you've yet to receive, over the babies that have yet to be born, over the situations that you see no way that they can humanly and physically happen. Just begin to declare God's promise over those things as we sing this in worship again. Come on, all together. with us 
that praises you, that's able to declare, this is what the Lord has done for me. And that many would sing and give thanks to you because of who you are and what you've done. We thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your word and how it speaks to our lives. And Lord, we pray that we would, not only at this season, not only for a couple more weeks, but God, let us constantly be in wonder of who you are. Let us constantly, joyfully receive the gift of Christ who didn't just come to save us at Christmas, but is the promise that we need for all of our lives. Help us to thankfully praise you for the blessings that we receive. I pray a blessing over every family and every individual in this place that as they celebrate Christmas and all that it is, the Lord, that you would be the centerpiece of that and that we would constantly be amazed and in awe and in wonder of who you are and that you would give such a gift for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.